Hello, guys. How are you doing? I'm loving the feedback that I'm getting from for season two. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for liking, for subscribing, for screenshotting it and sharing. I love hearing your takeaways, and I love to see that you're listening. Don't forget if you haven't left a review already. Leaving a review on Apple and a rating is a great way to spread the knowledge. Imagine if we lived in a world where people expected other people to pay people fairly, and also where money was something that wasn't taboo, where you were able to talk about your creative product and then talk about money and financing after reviewing and rating the podcast, screenshotting and sharing it on Instagram is a great way to share the message and get rid of that boring taboo and stigma that hangs around money. So I invite you to do that today. But for today, I am joined by lovely Rona. She is a stylist and founder of Third Magazine. She's a radio host. She does creative direction, like all of the things. So you do not need me to sit here and tell you that we're living in the midst of a political shit show. There's so much uncertainty, so much mess going on. Kind of feels like as a society, we don't know where we're going. We're just trying to get through. And it means that when we see people stand for something, it really connects to a deep need for connection inside of us. We as humans are hardwired for community. We want to align with people who are like us and inspire us for greater things it's a lot easier to complain on instagram or twitter about all the things are not right that are not right in the world it's much harder to take a stand and to make a point and to create something that impacts the world for a positive way and a positive message and that's what today's guest does and has done so brilliantly she uses her voice in a way that is fearless and courageous and we can all learn something from her third is now on its fourth print issue it's sold in stores in europe asia and the usa wow <laughs> that is an incredible bio we have so much to learn in this episode and in today's show you will learn how to create a product that stands for something how to inspire a team and bring together the very best editors writers and contributors and we've also got a special thing at the end one simple tip that you can do right now in your business or in your freelance work to move you out of overwhelm and right back into focus so you can achieve your goals in a way that is joyous and easy and light without further ado it is my honor to introduce you to rona Hi, Rona. Thanks for joining me today. Hey. So I know you through Third Magazine and I've written for it. I've read it. I've bought it. I know all about it. Would you tell our listeners who don't know Third more about you and the magazine? Okay. Yeah. So to start off with me, I am a fashion stylist. I wear many hats, uh, creative directing, consulting, Obviously, radio host yeah exactly editing <laughs> third but I am probably most fundamentally a fashion stylist and third is a third is a print magazine we describe it as an arts culture and fashion magazine our byline for third is an intersectional publication celebrating cultural heritage 
diversity and identity. Um, and third is spelt with three eyes. Mm. And like the number three, it's like quite an important thing for third because we also have three sections. Okay. So we have like a body section, a mind section. No. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have a mind <laughs> section, a body section and a soul section. I yeah. switched up the order. Um, and in the mind section, we usually have features with super talented individuals. Um, I always like to describe them as like change makers. Mm. And in the body section, we do our fashion editorials. Yeah. And in the soul section, that's really uh, the section that's dedicated to like people's personal stories, uh, creative writing and also poetry. Yeah. I have to say that's one of my favorite sections. There <laughs> are so many like talented people like writing for third. It's like so good. It's such a magazine that's really substantial. Like, you know how you can read a magazine and... I actually love the adverts in magazines, but they can feel really like thin. And one thing that I've always loved about Third is that there is so much great content in there. And yeah, I think we've always really been into this idea of like understanding that mediums, different mediums connect with different people. Mm. So like I said, Third began as like a print publication and already in the print publication, we we're doing like all these very different things. Um, from like the editorials to like you said like uh, the right the written pieces which yeah. I know um, you speak to different people and some people are like I love the fashion editorials and uh, some people are like oh my gosh the interviews you did like yeah. this like this issue like blew my mind or whatever and I think we also have different formats of third as well now because of that too so mm. we have third ways which is like the radio show and we also have Third Intersect, which is like an events platform. And this is just, for me, this is just like different mediums or different platforms we use to do the exact same thing, which is to celebrate marginalized people who come from marginalized communities. Yeah. Lovely. And you said that you're predominantly a stylist. Can you take us back to when you had the idea for Third? Is it something that was like a natural progression in your styling work? What did like the publication or like magazine space look like before you created third and why did you feel like it was like vital that you made it yeah I think so around the time I started mm. working on third I just turned fully freelance as a stylist yeah but before that I'd worked at a publication like at Africa's it was called like Africa's first luxury publication and I'd assisted and one of the things that really came home to me when I started doing my own work was the lack of diversity in fashion at that time. Um, and this could be from everything from pitching to fashion editors, the sort of feedback you get back about certain stories. And also casting was also a major issue. Yeah. Like getting a brown or black or any other sort of model, you know, not not necessarily size eight and below was always such a struggle yeah and I remember being like this isn't actually you know when you when you start doing your own work it's very much about what you want to put out there mm. so I remember being like this isn't actually what I want to do <laughs> yeah and, and like, I, I like, don't want to <laughs> follow this path yeah like and I was like I know I can do what I want to do because I like I was completely in love with magazines before I got into fashion anyway mm. I definitely like I didn't study fashion or anything like that so it was the world of like quite uh, niche edgy 
youth culture magazines Ooh. that brought me into seeing myself as a stylist anyway. So I was like, I don't know why this is so hard now when you want to do it as a newbie mm-hmm. to the industry who, you know what I mean? When you can't book Naomi, basically. Yeah. Why is it so hard to like get a girl who's her complexion? Yeah. So that was one of the biggest reasons for starting off third. Why did you know that you were the one to bring this to life? Like, how did you know that you were the one? I think I knew I was a person to bring this to life just because in a weird way I was told. Okay. <laughs> I was told really and truly. Like I had... I had this feeling about the industry that it was super elite and not that diverse. And I was also working with lots of other people, two in particular, people who are on my teams regularly, also felt the same way. Mm. And I remember one time we were moaning about it and they were like, we should do this thing. And Rona, you're going to like, you're going to lead it because you're the person who's always saying this. Do you know what I mean? And then I remember at first I was like, sure guys. Good fun. (laughs) I've been at a publication. I know that's like big teams, lots of money, like all these scary things that you don't want to think about when you're just starting your own career. Mm. Um, But very slowly it just became obvious that I needed to try. It had to be done. Yeah, because I think sometimes in this industry there can be the thing of like, asking for permission constantly and I kind of just realized that if I was going to continue that I I need to stop asking and just do the thing so yeah that's kind of what led me to to start third yeah and also just because I was so like yet again going back to the number three like there are definitely three there are three ethoses which are super important to the magazine which I feel like I'm very aligned with anyway one is like representation and so just as a almost like casting director, I think I am naturally attracted to people who don't necessarily always fit this very narrow idea about what beautiful should be. Yeah. And I've always been like that. That's where my eye has always led me. So yeah, like going back to the whole idea. Yeah. So representations a very strong thing for us. And I think in the fashion industry at that time, and sometimes still uh, even today, when you do see diversity, it is very much tokenized, like tokenization or like tokenism. Um, not tokenization, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very much like tokenism. Yeah. I just feel like that's not good enough, yeah. to be very honest with you. I totally get what you mean. I love what you said about like, sometimes we feel like we have to ask for permission. Like, it's so easy to feel like, oh, like you're really young, like you're just like starting and like all of these people have come before you. If it was possible, like why hasn't it been done before? Yeah. Like I've totally struggled with that. And I think the world is, or I personally am so much more drawn to people who see something and complain about it, but then like build something that almost is the landscape that they want to see. Like it's so much more empowering to follow someone on Instagram who doesn't just complain, but is actually doing the work to make the change that they want to see. Yeah. And another, the second sort of key element to the publication, I think is also celebration. Mm. So obviously we describe it as a public publication that celebrates diversity. But I think sometimes when you are talking about like marginalized communities, like, people like me do you know what I mean the concentration is always on the problems and the issues and I just know there's so much more to being someone like me and someone like someone else who's also marginalized than problems you know yes and we have amazing people 
who come from these communities who are doing wicked things. And that's why Third has the mind section, which puts people who are like athletes, actors, photographers, pioneers of platforms. Do you know what I mean? We put them in the magazine as well and make sure that they're given space too, because they are changing the landscape in their own industries. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I love that so much. So can you take us back? You, like you, two other people decide that this magazine needs to be made. You're going to be the one to lead it. So obviously, I think the first thing I'm coming, thinking about when creating a print magazine is like, okay, like the cost, like how did you, what was the cost like? And how did you negate like not having lots of money behind you? Like, how did you overcome that? I think to be very honest with you, the thing that we did was not focus on that Mm. because that was like, like you just said, when you think about something like that uh, and you think about how much money is going to go into it, it petrifies you. So I think the key thing that we did was just to get started with whatever we had and whoever was around us and to see what the sort of feedback was from that. And I think, you know, we launched online before we ever went into print and we thought we were going to be a zine really and truly before we knew we actually this had to be a magazine. But that was genuinely led by the the energy that people had to the idea. So it was genuinely ah. led by... Uh, contributors who wanted to be part of what we were doing and so we were like okay cool there's no way we're gonna this is gonna be a 20 40 page zine and we're gonna print it on this paper do you know what I mean that sort of thing um so I think the key thing for us was to get the idea down really solidly and to understand what we were doing to then do it to some capacity. Yeah. And then because the feedback or the response we had to that was so great, it was almost like money was like the last objective. It was just like, uh, yeah, it, it, money almost became like not the thing that was staring you in the face every single morning. And you're like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to create this magazine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, that like, but yeah, obviously, like money is a huge setback. But it was, it just wasn't the thing that was going to stop you. Basically, yeah, it there was the so much was more gonna, uh, that was going to say no to me yeah. by this point. And I think because it was completely independently funded, mm. I think we just had. I like I personally just had a lot of faith by this point in what I was doing, and it is quite funny now because when I compare like how third started off, like a lot of publications before they release a print issue, they've got like massive followings on social mm. media. And like third was almost happening so quickly and work was being created for it so quickly that our social media like was still quite small. But then I was doing all this market research and like comparing myself to publications that were huge and seeing, oh, they print 70,000 and they do da 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 So like my, like I was like hugely ambitious and somehow it all just worked do you know what I mean and it was only like uh, a thing where after after it worked and you speak to other people and you'd be like you'd realize shit that really worked for us that was a gamble yeah because like before I went to print I didn't even have a distributor so I started off 
and we were looking for a distributor but a lot of the time when I'd go and speak to distributors and I say look I'm doing a magazine and it's like about this and etc etc the like the energy was just so flat (laughs) like oh yeah 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 not yeah and generally the feedback I got was oh another one of those magazines oh there are a lot of those popping up at the moment and yeah cool maybe like you know what I mean like like the energy I was basically getting from these distributors compared to the energy I was getting from the people who were creating the magazine starting to follow the magazine etc etc there was just such a disparity that I was like you know what your energy is not is not it's not part of this this yeah. total I'm, I'm building here. And just to fill in the gaps in knowledge here, what role does a distributor play usually? So a, a distributor is the person who's responsible for getting your magazines on shelves. Okay. Um. So getting it to stores, off licenses, uh, off licenses, galleries, etc. But at first, I did that completely independently. And I remember when I was first trying to work out whether I could, going to people and saying, hey, I'm going to have this magazine, it's about this. And usually in store, they'd be a bit more open. So it'd be like, come and show me the publication. And like, when you have it, we'll talk. So I did that. And I just remember being like, wow, okay, this is going really, really well. And like with the people who sometimes would say, okay, we can't actually take you on because you didn't have a distributor you could tell there was like, but get a distributor and we'll help you get a distributor because we want to take this magazine on. And so that kind of, yeah, it all kind of nicely worked. But yet again, I had to just have the faith in my idea uh, on on what we were all creating because I wasn't necessarily getting it from the gatekeepers, if you want to call them. I love that. And I'm so happy that you got to share that story on the podcast because I feel like, I just know that for me, for sure, like I've always wanted that permission again. I've always wanted someone from higher up or from the industry industry to say, to pat me on the back and be like, yeah, like you're doing a great thing, like keep on going. But your story is testament to the fact that sometimes it has, that energy kind of has to come from you and the people that you're working with. Yeah, definitely. And I think you will get that, um, like I get that sometimes from like people who read the magazine, you know what I mean? You're going to get that from different spaces. So mm-hmm. don't necessarily look to the people, you know, uh, if you're looking up to, I don't know, just thinking back to when I first started styling, you know, um, there were certain stylists who I thought were amazing. If I if I were looking for them to be like, oh my gosh, this publication you did was amazing. It, it sounds amazing, do it. Maybe I would never have done it. Yeah. But, it's more like seeing how how much people who buy the magazine, who come to our events, who who engage with us, how much they appreciate it. That's what gives me that sense of like, okay, this needs to keep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is this is purposeful. Yeah, totally. So, um, like I said at the beginning, one of the things I love is the amazing contributors that you have, and you've touched on it that they do all sorts of different things. So you've got the interviews, the styling, and the written sort of personal essays how do you I guess you've already answered this in the sense that it was kind of came easy but how did you inspire people who hadn't seen your magazine before or be like at issue zero how did you inspire them to come on this journey with you and how do you continue to inspire people to come along with you for this ride I think one of the main ways we were like I think I directed a lot of that so uh, I definitely had a vision for you know, the three sections, the sort of content that would come into the magazine. But I think our ethos and what we're about is 
like if you were about what we were about you'd generally be down for that yeah um yeah if you were about what we were about you generally want to be part of what we were doing that's what I learned was sort of reaching out to people for for third and sometimes I would reach out to people and like email at people and sometimes people would put themselves forward Mm. for things um yeah would put themselves forward for things sorry what else what was the rest of your question sorry no that's fine like how did you inspire people to get involved in your project and like how do you continue keep continue to keep your contributors inspired yeah and I think a really big thing for me with third is when I reflect on when I started in the industry I remember feeling frustrated with Uh, the fact that it seemed like the same people, the same photographers, the same fashion editors Mm. were being booked for for print. And with Third, one of the things we really want to do is obviously we want to build a community of people who we know are doing brilliant things anyway, who have brilliant work, but we really want to give people an opportunity to platform themselves and to continue to reach out to new talent. So it just, it doesn't become... I don't want to say it doesn't become like something that we're just purely doing for ourselves, you know? Yes. So you're almost like playing forward your own opportunities. Yeah, and I I, I almost have to be careful about how I say that because genuinely every single contributor who has like, or like 80% of contributors who have added their work to a publication or third or participated as a speaker for third in my head, they're automatically registered to the third community. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of them will continue to support stuff we do. But I think there's also a need to, to, like, there's also a challenge, to be very honest with you, with continuing to find new new talent Mm -hmm. um, and to give that space to people who haven't had that that, that print opportunity. And I don't really want, if a third is a publication that is about, you know, inclusion, I want to make sure that I am also allowing new new talents to come up. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the reasons that we went from like a one sort of cover magazine to a two cover magazine, because that would always allow like another whole creative team to, to, to get a cover, which is a yeah. brilliant thing, right? Yeah. Um, so exciting. Yeah. And obviously, to some extent, as, you know, creative director, editor in chief of the publication, um, that can be a bit nerving because I know how, like, I know the standard I set with third. Mm. And I know I'm always going to deliver it <laughs> to a certain extent. But how do you get other people to deliver <laughs> yeah, yeah, to that? Yeah, just see what I'm saying. Yeah. But, so you have to, you have to have, you have to have faith in the people who you're commissioning. Um, but yeah, it's worked brilliantly for us. So it's it's definitely something we want to continue doing amazing and you mentioned there that you do have that challenge of finding new talent that does reach the standard that you're looking for so and also like as a stylist like you're pitching and obviously as the editor people are pitching to you like what kind of things in a pitch for styling work or for written work kind of stands out to you and make you think like yes like I need to work with this person and they need to be in the magazine I think clear vision and also like a clear understanding of the publication that you're trying to contribute to. Because mm. <laughs> I think sometimes when people send through their ideas or they're just submitting work they've already done, their mind is so on like getting a platform that they're not thinking to themselves like, this is a shoot with like 
this is a shoot that literally isn't doing it anything yeah. for these people you yeah see what i'm saying it isn't on brand yeah exactly <laughs> it's, gen- it's, gen- it's gorgeous pictures i love the scenery i love the location but i like this isn't one for us really and truly so i think if you want to if you want to be a contributor to a platform also think about what you're what you're putting in to the platform and yeah like how much it actually resonates with you and your work because it's not all it's not all just about like having your work there and seen and credited by a publication it's also like you're aligning yourself with this thing yeah um and we're aligning ourselves with you you, um which is something i'm completely conscious of obviously like the team that creates third is like such a we are a living embodiment of like diversity well like you know not to say like diversity and completion or anything like that yeah but like we're such a mixed bag of people basically and we have different things to to contribute but we also all can work as like in parallel to each other you know what i mean and can be allies to like other people's causes and so if you can't come on board that level that that language doesn't even speak to you then sorry by hand yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) maybe try again next time yeah or don't worry about us it's completely fine for you to publish with a different publication Mm -hmm. you know it's not necessarily a rejection it's just that this is a space created for a very certain thing and that's what we want to keep it for yeah so totally so the magazine now does it pay for itself is it producing a profit what role does does money now play in how you sustain the magazine okay so money is a really interesting topic because really and truly when we started third it was so it was so passion project led yeah so like money wasn't even something i would like Profit wasn't something I was thinking about, okay. not money, you know, but profit wasn't really something I was thinking about. I remember when we broke even for the first issue and I was like, oh, it's done now. Do you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, serve its purpose. Like, I, like, I don't have to think about that again. Um, but it's only been like the last two years to understanding that actually, you know what, I put in a lot of work for Third. Everyone else who works in the publication, like a lot of indie publications, most people do it completely voluntarily. Um, but no one like is getting paid for the work they 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 put into the actual print or other elements and etc. Um, and we've definitely struggled with with that, mm. if you know what I mean. But that's why we've now that's why we do all the other things that we do with the magazine. So like the events, um, merchandise, yeah. um, working with brands is something we're we're looking into more and more and making ourselves more open to. Um, yeah, because that allows us to sustain yeah. what we do and also the quality of what we do. Um, so when it, I, yeah, when I speak to a lot of people about when I generally am asked to speak to people about third, one of the questions people ask me is like, who funds this or who's, <laughs> who's a publisher or whatever. And I'm always just like, no, 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 it's, it's literally, it's independent. It's generally independent. And people are usually wowed by that because they're like, they don't think it's I don't they just don't think it is what it is mm-hmm. um and I love that too, because to it's be such a high standard like if you think about like self-publishing like usually they are zines like I mean the history of zines they're like meant to be like rough put together things but um third is not like that it's glossy it's gorgeous it's thick and heavy yeah I mean in one Huck interview we did this 
this journalist was like, this is like the Vogue for the the, the Mavericks, and, like, and I was like, yes, that's exactly what we are. Yeah, I'll take that Vogue credit and run with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like keeping quality entails investment, so that's definitely something we're trying to push for, and we're always looking, for, we're open to for opportunities for basically. Yeah. So income. I guess different ways that you can generate income is what you're kind of, ex- is where you're exploring now. Yeah, I think being, obviously being open to different revenue streams, diversifying, you can almost say. <laughs> okay, so we started this conversation by saying that how you wear multiple hats. Can you tell me how, because this is something that I also struggle with. I think at the end of season one, I got so burnt out, like wearing so many hats and like trying to reach this high standard that I had set for myself. And you know how intense styling can be and that when you're working with a client, it's like a full on job. It's like six days and you're just theirs. How do you make time for third, your styling work? your radio show and for things like rest, play and your friends and your relationships? So I would say two things. Okay. The most important thing is I think timeline stuff. Yeah. So actually I have to credit Daniela, who's the producer of Third Intersect for getting me on this. But at the beginning of the year with all thirds projects or like imagining to do this and things that need to be done, I put them all down and on a month to month basis I will almost set like priorities for each month mm. and I find that such a like such a useful method for dealing with feeling overwhelmed as you sometimes can where like yeah. deadlines are flying and also loads of jobs are coming through and you know you have to do all these works for jobs and you can't say no to the jobs because I mean you're a stylist and yeah that's what you do yeah also money is great no um so definitely timelining stuff as much as you can is something I would give as a tip. And then second to that, I would also say balance is actually really key. So I know I'm super high functioning, but I feel for me, like one of the ways I'm actually able to do that is because I have things, I, I almost have like inserted downtime mm. into my schedule. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. It, weird downtime though okay samba for me like I, I love samba dance yeah and I samba at least two sometimes three times a week and these are like usually slots in my week which are like they're almost like meetings you know what I mean I have to do them and non-negotiable yeah like it's in a diary yeah yeah exactly and I think for me like every time I come back from a class like my body is reset mm-hmm. and I'm reminded of the need for balance and also I'm energized to like crack on and do stuff the next day so I think not as obviously you will have to go through periods of life where your life is only like a job or like only this thing but as much as possible if you have some form of schedule which also takes in place all these other aspects of your life which are super important like seeing friends relationships I feel that makes you more productive to get on with like mad volumes of work too (laughs) yeah I totally found that recently like I would consider I'm also high functioning but like recently I just asked myself like why do I have to be high functioning like sometimes it's actually not nice that I'm working seven days a week like why 
if I could pick any way to live my life, like, why is it that I'm picking this one? Yeah. And so like even scheduling downtime is something that I've kind of started to do. Like as you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, like I guess I do that like and more and more, but still it's something that I'm kind of struggling with and working on getting better at that. So what does 2020 look like for you? Like what is the future of Rona or third? What things are you really excited for? I think it's all like bigger and better. Mm. Um, One of the things I'm really excited about this year is that I'm not actually, I don't feel like I'm about to launch anything particularly special. Like all the seeds are there. The magazine comes out annually. The podcast comes out every two, every eight weeks. Yeah. Um, And we run intersect events at the Tate and sometimes at other venues as well. So like, all the formats have been set in play now. It's just about like almost like scheduling in the stuff and making it bigger and better and more amazing. Mm. Um, and also thinking about like where you do have weak spots in your business, like uh, speaking to other like magazine editor friends I have, some of their weak spots is like finances. Yeah. Like their numbers, their books are a mess and etc. For other people it's like different things but like so for me this year is almost about like paying more attention to those weak spots and trying to make them not weak spots anymore I mean I don't yeah I think that's what 2020 is definitely about and just making the vision bigger and better with both third and also my styling work because I do feel like what we've done to date has been amazing Mm. like sold out Tate events features in Time Out etc and I almost feel like it would be like underappreciating that if I was like, you know, like. <laughs> I literally love the point you're making. Yeah. If you like pushed anymore, you're kind of like honoring the fact that you've like done this hard work and it's kind of like running. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're not actually having to like do the hard, heavy lifting. You've like got this beautiful thing up off the yeah. ground now. I mean, there's always work that's involved. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, it's almost like appreciating where you are at now mm. and understanding how amazing that is because three years ago whatever I didn't even have you know or four years ago that I the magazine was still an idea or whatever yeah but just making it all bigger and better and hopefully dealing with some more scary hard issues regarding like funding and finance and etc with the magazine Mm. making that also bigger and better yeah um but yeah I think that's where we are and also just like pushing out third more because third is strangely one of these magazines that like our issue our first and second and third issue to date still sells and I think that's just because when people find out about the publication they like they, they go online and they buy it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They're like, why haven't I read this already? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like genuinely, really and truly. And so I think a, a, another key thing is just reaching more people. Mm. Yeah, those are the main focuses. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I love that. So thank you for your time today. And I just want to like bring our conversation to the close. To wrap up, is there like any points or anything you lastly want to mention and leave with our listeners? I think... Being a creative is almost, it can be, it's difficult, right? Yeah. But I think there is so much like beauty and symbiosis. And so the more you give, the more you get almost. 
I don't know, actually, maybe not that point. It's kind of unrelated. It's a bit abstract on its own. I do like it, though. I like it in the sense and I can kind of see kind of, or this is just me projecting, mm. but I can kind of see how when you started third, it wasn't, you weren't like, okay, like, yeah, let's make some money. Like, I'm going to be rich. There's so much I can get from this opportunity. It was almost like you were creating something and investing your own time and your own money being like, I don't know where this is gonna go, but I actually have something to give. And, and it looks like from watching your journey, from all the opportunities that you've had, like you've received, even though you, ga you gave, like not kind of knowing where it's gonna go or what to expect back. Yeah, I think that's generally the point I was trying to make. I think, <laughs> no, genuinely, honestly, I think sometimes there is this feeling, especially I feel it with younger creatives and it can be like, well, I don't want to do this because actually, I kind of understand where they're coming from at the same time. Yeah. But I don't want to do this because actually, what's it going to do for me? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Or I'll only do this if it's going to lead to this. And I do think that can be quite a tactical thing to do. But if you don't put yourself out there, then you're not out there. Yeah, yeah. You're just like to yourself. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, so with Bold, Brilliant and Broke, I've kind of seeked, like I started not knowing, kind of like knowing that I wanted to talk about money. I wanted to talk about creators, but not really knowing like where it would go. And then I realized that I love podcasting. And then lots of, I got lots of mentors and a lot of things that they would say to me is things like, oh, you have to give, like the cup just never runs out. Like give to your audience. Like that's how you create community. And one of the things that my favorite mentor says, Rachel Bell, is that she says that people will always remember you for when you went over and above for them. Like when you touched someone, like even if it's in a really small way, like someone like messages you on Instagram and you actually reply instead of just like liking it or ignoring it. And she said like, those are the reasons why people remember you. Like as humans, we're hardwired for connection, for love, for friendship. So like, giving is a great way to like build that trust and she's kind of like there's no way that you can like build a profitable brand without having given or without yeah. having that trust like people don't want to buy from you if they don't know like and trust you of course. so that giving part is just been a really important lesson for me I think and yeah it's so humbling yeah yeah definitely I agree yeah. <laughs> um, okay cool just on the top, on other things I'd like to mention. To sure. When we're talking about contributors, yeah. um, obviously, if people want to get involved in the magazine, please always email us. And I, I, I would underline email. But um, <laughs> email us over your work uh, and ideas because you never know. You know, I don't, I don't want to sound like negative too much. Maybe I sounded a bit negative when I was like, <laughs> certain ideas just generally don't work. But... Put yourself out there as well. Okay, great. So guys, Rona would love to hear from you if you are thinking of contributing to a magazine and you think you could add to the third story. So what I'm asking all my guests to nicely finish off the conversation is a point or like something people can implement in their lives today or a journaling prompt that they can think of to get them not just thinking about their creative ideas, but actually doing them and building them. Is there anything that you can leave our listeners with today? Oh, that was actually supposed to be my timeline one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it but, came early. But also <laughs> like generally, I think if you can on a weekly basis, almost like set your intentions. Mm. 
Um, I think that's such a great practice to have, especially if, no, actually, I was going to say, especially if you're freelance, but actually, even if you're someone who's working a nine to five job and just feels like they never have time to get on with creative projects or anything they want to do, like just being like breaking down the the steps of something that you want to achieve and then timelining them for like the next like eight weeks or whatever, I think is a great way to actually do that. I think sometimes people almost people struggle but also bully themselves when Mm. they say they're going to do stuff and they don't do it and they feel like they don't do it because because of some personal trait as opposed to like totally just like maybe they haven't organized themselves in the right way so yeah get past that and just get cracking yeah and this is very timely because record it recording this in January so I know a lot of people are like yeah new me new year new me like new things so (laughs) definitely keep up the energy going and make sure you're still working towards your goals okay and how can listeners get in touch with you yeah so third magazine has a website we have an Instagram our Instagram is at third magazine with three eyes in third and our website is thirdmagazine.co.uk on there you can get our email um yeah I think those are the main ways right yeah um I'm also on Instagram I'm Rona but spelled R-O-E-N-A so phonetically to my name that's not actually the spelling Mm, I might have to do that soon actually for mine (laughs) oh really yeah because I get called Kira a lot and it's Kyra so I'm Ah. like might put a Y in there yeah I mean I've found it helps yeah so Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, screenshot it, tag me on IG and let me know what your biggest takeaway was. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time. That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you loved, loved, loved this episode, there's so many key gems in there. Make sure you slide into my DMs on Instagram at Kyra the Bold and let me know what you loved and what your key takeaways are. It really helps me create the kind of content that is going to inspire you, empower you and motivate you to be the be- your best self. And don't forget, if you love the podcast and you're a big fan, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It just takes a few seconds and it just really helps me spread the message of the podcast to people like you and to others all over the world. Thank you so much. See you next time.